0: morning, everyone. Welcome to Faith Family Fellowship. So glad you're here. And uh, so glad you're here to join us in worship. That is truly the reason why we are here. So we're going to sing a song this morning, prepare our hearts. And as you stand with me now and as we begin to sing, ask that God would speak to you and prepare your heart so that we can worship Him in spirit and in truth and allow His will to be done in our lives so sing with me prepare our
1: hearts
0: to worship
1: you the ever faithful ever true forgive our sin and make
0: Prepare
1: our hearts to worship you. Prepare our hearts for holy ground.
2: Let our
1: defenses tumble down. Come to what?
2: take a seat if you would like. We'd like to welcome you here this morning. My name is Matthew, uh, one of the pastors here at Faith Family. If you're a guest, there should be a card in the pew right in front of you that uh, is, says communication card at the top. Would love uh, if you would take that, grab it, fill it out, drop that in the basket on your way out. Let's have a record of you joining us this morning. We'd love to be able to reach out with, to you this week, pray for you, and uh, just talk to you a bit. So, we, uh, we, we're getting back together tonight, that's what I was going for, so <laughs> we're going to have a, uh, an ice cream fellowship this evening at 6 o'clock, and so we'll be right here uh, in the fellowship uh, hall, the gym, right, right next door, and so just want to invite you, let you know you are welcome, uh, welcome to come join, welcome to bring a friend. We are just hanging out and eating ice cream, real simple, and, uh, and so that'll be 6 o'clock this evening uh, right, right on campus. So let, uh, let's shift our attention up to the baptistry, and uh, we will be uh, joining together in celebration of a baptism this morning.
3: Many of y'all know Kaya, this is Kaya Elizabeth Weber, and um, so uh, she is um, trusted in Christ as her Savior, and, um, and she's here to, uh, and it's her birthday. Say happy birthday, Kaya. <laughs> awesome, this is awesome. So she's celebrating her second birthday. This is her second birthday, so... There's um, a church I used to go to that they, uh, they would sing a song like Only One Will Not Do, you know, and it talks about your second. I don't know if you all ever heard that. It's an old like, um, song in, the, in the, some of the church denominations that were not. <laughs> anyway, so Kaya, uh, it's my joy to, to baptize you. Are you trusting in Christ in Christ alone to save you from your sins? And she said yes. So this is uh, this is her testimony to you, so it is my joy and privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried in Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. Praise the Lord.
0: wonderful scene that was. Amen. It was great. Let's go ahead and stand. Let's worship the Lord. Oh, I've
1: heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whispers of love dead of night. And you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. You're a good, good Father. It's who you are. It's who you are. For Perfect.
0: that you would remind us of that. Remind us that you are in charge. You know the past, the present, the future. And Father, I pray that you would speak to us, you would change us. Lord, be with Pastor Joel as he brings the message. Speak to us through him, God. I pray that you would help us to leave here changed and more aligned with your scriptures. We ask this in the blessed holy name, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And you may be seated.
4: Well, amen, and uh, thank you, Josh, uh, Suzanne, and team. Uh do want to just ask you to be in prayer. Uh, we uh, met as elders last Tuesday night, and uh, we felt like it was time for us to uh, start the uh, uh, part-time worship leader search team back up. So uh, we want you to be in prayer for them. Uh, Wyatt McVeigh. I don't know if Wyatt's here this morning or not. Had, I know he has. I see you way back. Raise your hand again, so everybody know who you are has agreed to uh, help facilitate uh, the leadership of that uh, team. And uh, so I want to ask you to be in prayer for them as they seek. Uh, You know, Josh does a fantastic job. Amen? Amen. (laughs) You know? But as he often has to do, he has to leave to go to his paying job. Okay, Uh, he has a very significant job over at Airbus, and it takes a a tremendous amount of his time. And he's been doing this uh, for a long time. And uh, so you pray about the search process, and you just ask the Lord to grant us the money to pay the person to come and do it, okay? And uh, God will supply. Uh, A second thing that I want to do is say... I really do apologize for last Sunday that I said to you, you have to bring uh, uh, homemade ice cream tonight, okay? You may buy the cheapest ice cream you want. Janet and I worked on homemade chocolate ice cream yesterday, and I'll eat that, and you can have the store-bought ice cream. No, actually, my oral surgeon who took my tooth out told me, you are not to preach last Sunday. And I was going to prove to him that I could do it. So anyway, you know how that turned out. And uh, so I'm uh, grateful that we're past that Sunday. So when I do this again in in, uh, August... Uh, the elders and deacons of the church have been given instructions to stand at the doorways and prevent me from coming and standing in the pulpit following my surgery. Okay? Uh, you should have laughed on that one as well. Ha, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Seriously, uh, I really was not fit to be up here. And, uh, short, yeah, it was a short sermon, and I walked down the middle of the aisle because the uh, antibiotics were at work very well meaning I had to use the facility very quickly. So uh, anyway, it was just a, a, a some kind of Sunday last Sunday, and I, I appreciate you guys so much. Uh, I do, uh, I, I do want to say just one other word uh, about... Uh, uh, I know we struggle with we've struggled greatly with covid and uh, and many of us uh, with getting vaccinated or not and that's really an individual thing and I understand that, and that 's between you and the Lord. Can, let me tell you my experience just very quickly because I struggled in the same way that you did and then I was reminded of uh, Jonathan Edwards, who was uh, president at one time of uh, Princeton but but is known as the greatest theologian that, Al- that uh, Americans have ever produced. And he felt it incumbent upon himself as a pastor to lead his people to uh, take an inoculation, to become immunized. and uh, And I thought it was my responsibility to do that. And so I went and I got immunized, and I took my vaccinations. And what was so interesting and what was so confirming to me about doing it was when I went the first time. I'm sitting beside the best friend of my high school uh, f- uh, quarterback. Uh, we I played ball in Mobile, and uh, uh, our quarterback went on to play uh, quarterback at University of Alabama. And his best friend is the one sitting beside me after we got our shots. And so we had this wonderful conversation. We kind of relived some old days. Got to talk about the things of the Lord with them, uh, them coming from a different uh, faith, and was able to share the clarity of the gospel with them. And it was just a, it was like, okay, this was what I was supposed to do. And then I had to go back and get my second shot. And when I did, there was an elderly gentleman that came, and there were no seats for those who had gotten their shots. There were no seats for them to sit in. And so I got up to let him have my seat. And in the process, we started a conversation And uh, in that conversation, I found out that uh, he uh, had uh, been a member at Dolphin Way Baptist Church in Mobile, from which I was there nine months in my mother's womb. And I said, so what's your name? And he told me his name. And he was one of our missionaries that was sent out from our church. And his son, Bob, was my best friend when we were in elementary school in church and I said boy I'd love to see him." she he said he's right here in the store and we got to reunite and have a wonderful time together and I just wanna say this when you follow the Lord whether uh, whatever the issue is God will direct your steps and you will know that you have done the will of God And so I want us to pray that we know what to do in all circumstances and situations. I want us to pray for our search team as they seek out a permanent uh, part-time worship leader for us. So would you join me in a word of prayer together? And Father, we do thank you that you walk with your children. You are a good, good father. And we are able to, as your children, to hear your voice and to know that it is you and to obey the clarity of what you say to us. And in doing that, we we see your hand at work. We see you move in and through our lives and we are able to give glory and honor to your name. Through that, and so Father, whether it's in decisions that we make about health, decisions that we make about jobs, or schooling, or who we are to date, or whatever the circumstances may be, that you are a good Father to us. And Lord, out of that, you know that we have a need, and you know that that Josh has a need. And so we would pray that you would bring a solution to the need that we have that would be so clear to the search team, so clear to the elders, so clear to the church body that we will have known this is the will of God. And we know that whatever you will lead us to do, you will abundantly supply. And so we want to ask as children to our Father... And knowing that you give good gifts to your children. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You have a copy of God's Word. Let me invite you to turn to Second Peter chapter 2. And in Second Peter chapter 2, uh, God is working through the apostle Peter to a group of people who were seeing an increase of immorality and persecution in their day times were getting more and more difficult. Uh, Immorality was rampant. And those who named the name of Jesus in walking with Christ were falling under greater and greater persecution from an unbelieving world. And so when we look at the second chapter, he's very clearly telling us, don't fret. Don't be worried. Everything's going to be Okay, and I want to read the text. I want to begin in verse 4 and read down through uh, half of verse 10, where it makes a complete thought, and then we're just going to look at verses 7 and 9 out of this text this morning. Beginning in verse 4, it says, "...for if God did not spare angels when they sinned," we're talking about the fallen angels, "...but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness," to be kept until the judgment. If he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness, with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, and if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, for as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting in his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he both saw and heard, then Then, know this, the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. And especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and those who despise authority. This morning, what I want to do is just very simply look at three truths that I want to draw from this passage of scripture. Number one is Lot's torture. And I put the word rack there because the Greek word that's there uh, also applies to that ancient, it goes back at least we have documentation in the third century BC of torturing someone on the rack. It is an instrument of torture where they would put a person They would tie their hands to one end, their feet to the other, and then they would begin to pull the body literally apart in order to torture someone. I think that's a very good description of what goes through our hearts in the midst of a wicked world. When we see things progressively getting worse, more and more immoral, our hearts are broken. Our souls are grieved. There is a a desire on our part to see God come in revival and renewal. And that should be our prayer and that's what we should seek. And we should be seeking that with all of our hearts, with all of our soul, with all of our being that God would do something. And we should be speaking forth the word of Christ unapologetically. And yet, at the same time, we realize that God is sovereign over the renewal and the reviving of churches and lands. And so, God may, and I pray that He does, renew and restore. But if He does not, then we as His saints aren't to be anxious. We're to be trusting in the Lord our God. So, we have Lot's torture, we have Lot's righteousness. And number three, we have Lot's Rescue. Now, back when I was a teenager, uh, just a couple of months before I I met my my wife, my bride of 43 years now, uh, Three Dog Night came to Mobile. The year was 1974. And some of you don't have a clue who Three Dog Night was, but it was a popular band back in that day. And, and they had a popular song that was the tie, by the title of Mama Told Me Not to Come. Okay? And uh, it really is, a, is, is kind of a funny song. It, it, it could almost be used in a church setting. Because he, he, the writer, goes to a place of a partying atmosphere. And when he's there, he says, i see seen things that I have never seen done. And then he makes the the lament, Mama told me not to come. Mama told me not to come. I'll have to confess to you, I still tell my 97-year-old mother, Mother, you have still yet to tell me not to go. She didn't do a very good job of raising me and telling me, You shouldn't go to this and you shouldn't go to that. But there's just some things that we as God's children should not be a part of. And that leads me into what Lot himself was going through. Lot was troubled. He was troubled in the land in which he was living. He was a sharer in the great salvation of the Lord, as you and I share as saints of God in the greatness of God's salvation. And yet when we look around what's going on about us, when we see what's being projected forward, Before us, when we've seen the changes in the culture and we look at social media and see what was in vogue is no longer in vogue, what was wrong is now right, what was right is now wrong, in the eyes of the world, we think it, we feel like it's turned upside down, and what are we to do? Well, Jesus prayed for us in the 17th chapter of John in regard to this. And I think it's important for us to remember how he prayed. Notice what John 17, 15 says. I do not ask that you take them out of the world. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to just say time out, Lord. Why didn't you pray (laughs) take us out of the world? You know, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. Jesus said, I'm not going to take you out of the world, but his prayer to the Father was that the Father would keep them from the evil one. To keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, verse 16 says, just as I am not of the world, therefore sanctify them, set them apart from the world. How? In the truth. And then he tells us how, what that truth is. Thy word is truth. You and I have to continually being go, be going back to the Scripture and the Word of God if we're going to survive or thrive in the day in which you and I are living. You can't do it because somebody has given you a spiritual, motivational talk. This is something that is a, a desperate, needs to be the desperate cry of every believer is, Oh Lord, I need your Word. I need to hear from you. We talked about hearing God's voice last week. Where do we hear that voice from? We hear it clearly from the written Word of God. You don't need to hear what I think. You don't need to hear what another person thinks. You don't need to hear what someone says, but I believe this about God. I believe this is what's going to happen to us. I believe God's going to give us a second chance. I believe, I believe, I believe. You and I need a certain word. I don't don't go to my doctor to say, uh, give me your best opinion. I want to know what's the truth. What is the reality? And God clearly gives us the reality in His word. And when we're wondering what do we share with the world, the answer is Very simple and very clear. We share the Word of God. The way that we share with uh, a person who's on the far left as far as culture is concerned, and they're decrying the things of God, what do they need to hear? They need to hear the Word of God. The Word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. The Word of God is our offensive weapon as children of God. God's Word will not return empty. It will always accomplish the matter for which the Lord has sent it. You say, but they don't believe the Word of God. It really doesn't matter what they believe. Because you didn't believe the Word of God until you became a follower of Jesus Christ. And when a person is born again of the Spirit of God, they believe what God says. And it is God who uses His Word and the Holy Spirit to bring the human soul to regeneration. So let's preach the Word, share the Word, tell the Word... To an unbelieving world. So let's look at the torture that is expressed here as it relates to to Lot. Notice again in verse 7 the the language that is used here. Lot was greatly distressed. He was greatly distressed. And then in verse 8 it says, He was tormenting in his righteous soul. Over the lawless deeds that he saw and that he heard. You, you may have had some uh, anxieties, in particular over the last year or, or more, uh, while we've been under uh, COVID. It was true before COVID came, but COVID has been a tool of God to reveal the hearts of humanity. I don't know if you're aware of that, but God has used it to be a revealer of the condition of human hearts. More and more and more and more people are coming out who once said, I am a Christian. And we have talked about and we have prayed about, oh Lord, help us to get away from cultural Christianity. The Christianity that is popular, the Christianity that gets you a job, the Christianity that gets you in the door with somebody. And people have come out and they have said, who have been confessing, as it were, Christians for decades... And have come to say, I do not believe that God exists. That breaks our hearts. It hurts our souls to hear them say that. But the reality is, they're not resting in a false gospel. They believe in no gospel. But what's the good news? The good news is you and I have the gospel. We've got the good news. We've got the story to tell. We have His word to proclaim. And God is still casting out... I read this the other day. Somebody was writing, had written about Janet's uh, great-great-aunt who was martyred in the Boxer Rebellion. And she was writing about Aunt Mary. And she said, Aunt Mary... Was not the most dynamic personality. But many came to faith in Christ through her witness in China. Through the gospel net. Was the language that was used. God still throws out his gospel net. And he brings people to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you and I instead of being discouraged. Ought to be encouraged in our day. We know who The prospects are amen I mean they are we know who they are they have divided themselves out and they have said I no longer believe it's discouraging and disheartening and yet at the same time I tell you what if I was a shoe salesman and I was trying to sell sell shoes and all of a sudden a lot of people started throwing away their shoes you know what I would do as a shoe salesman I'd get excited. I'd be thinking about, man, i got more customers out there. You and I become discouraged because of the apostasy that we see, the falling away of those who have once said they belong to Jesus Christ. And I'm trying today to encourage us to say, no, no. Let's get in this great casting out of the gospel net of Jesus Christ. It is tormenting to our souls to see it. In the same way it was tormenting to Lot's soul. But Peter reminds us that God is in control. God's in charge. God's not taking a step back. God is pushing forward. It's His world. It's His kingdom that He is building And you and I need to get with what God is up to and see the Lord restore. Now, I do have to confess, Lot's torture was personal on a level. It really doesn't say it here. But we we know that Lot uh, uh, chose to go where he was at, remember? Abraham and Lot are in the land of Israel. And... uh, the decision was made, as, as uh, the 14th chapter of Genesis records it, that they came into the land and their possessions were so great that uh, Abraham said, you know, we've got to divide. One of us has to go to the right, the other has to go to the left. Lot, you pick the one you want to go to. You remember that story? And you remember where Lot chose to go. He looked down in the Jordan River Valley and he said it was like the Garden of Eden. He said it's like the Nile River. It's where the desert comes and meets the water of the river. And there was great produce and greenery and beauty. And he looked at the mountains of Canaan and he said they're kind of barren up on the mountains. And I want to go down there. And, and Abraham, Abraham said fine. I'll take, I'll take Canaan. And you and I know in the sovereign plan of God that Canaan was exactly where Mount Moriah was. It's the place where Christ was going to be sacrificed. It's where it's where Abraham makes a covenant, or God makes a covenant with Abraham, and it's a covenant of faith. And we, we see the hand of God in all that, but we look down and we see that, yes, Lot chose to go down where he was, but... He, like us, when we make choices, we don't always know what it's going to get us into, do do we? And so when Lot goes down to Sodom, he is received, he and his people. And yet while Lot is there, what does he realize? Hey, the movies, the movies in Sodom are, the best movies are all R-rated. And they get worse from there. Yeah, instead of there being a church on every corner, there's a, there's a bar on every corner. I'm sure there were times that he must have asked himself the question, what was I thinking? How did I get here? What am I to do while I'm there? You see, it's personal torture to us when sin is around us. Uh, Titus one fifteen tells us that to the pure, all things are pure. But to the unbelieving and defiled, nothing is pure. That's the world we're living in today. We're living in the world when, if you know Christ as Savior and Lord, God has made you clean through Jesus Christ. And our minds and our hearts are to be pure through our daily walk with Jesus. And yet, all around us, it is defiled. And it's full of unbelief. And we look at it and we say, it's not appealing to me it's not appealing to my spiritual soul we we talked in our men's meeting on Thursday night we had a great time together in our men's meeting on Thursday night but in it we were talking about the warfare in which we are struggling as followers of Jesus Christ and when I said to the guys I said you know let me take one of the most benign things that we will watch on the television sets and uh, let's just see, how much are we influenced by the world? How much do we struggle in the world in which we live? I said, let's, let's just pick football. I said, football's benign, isn't it? It's just a sport, isn't it? And yet it's a sport that we'll watch, and when we watch it, there's a group that we love, and then there's a group that we hate. Oh, that's just really a Christ-like thing to be doing, isn't it? Now, don't say we don't do that, because I could identify some teams this morning, and you know, if you're not careful, you will say, well, I just, my father-in-law is a two-time graduate of a university in Alabama, uh, and uh, he said, I will root for Satan over against the other team, okay? And he believe he means it, Okay. <laughs> And what do we do when we think about the NFL, for example, and the amount of money, the ungodly amount of money that we're paying people to be violent? You know, I played ball in high school, and my coach taught me to to do this. When you go to tackle somebody, I want you to take their head off. I want you to remove their head from their body. Oh, yeah, that's the way I was taught to play. And my helmet would come down and hit my nose and it would split it open and I'd have blood all over my uh, jersey. And I don't know how many times the coach would grab me by the face guard and he'd pull me out in front of the other guys. Everybody get around here. Look at Faircloth. I'm not kidding, okay? This really happened. Look at him. He's got blood all over him. I want all of you to look just like that. (laughs) Football is very benign. It's a loving sport. People get along well. And look how we dress our girls. They get out, dance around, the commercials that come on. And one of the most innocuous events that we could maybe imagine is very wicked. And it's very sinful. And we're influenced by it. And that's what Lot said. Lot looked around and he saw it for himself. But he was also tortured because of what he saw it doing to other people. Because what does sin do to other people? It destroys lives. It breaks up homes. It makes people slaves to addictions and to sin. You see, sin is not something to be trivialized. It's not something to be played with. Sin's like a... A snake that has fangs and poison. And yet too often we will cuddle it, cradle it, care for it. And then we wonder when we get bitten by the disease of sin, why am I suffering in the way that I'm suffering? Lot looked around where he was and he said, My whole world is falling apart. Oh, he sat at the door, or the gates of the city. But do you remember the uh, 16th chapter of Genesis, the uh, 18th chapter of Genesis, tells us that when the, two, the angels of the Lord came into Sodom in order to rescue Lot and his family. And when they came in, do you know what Lot immediately did? He went and hid them in his home. Why? Because he knew the wickedness of the people Of his town. He knew exactly what was behind their minds. Because they came to his door that evening and said, we want those men. They were angels. They were beautiful. And they said, we want to have sexual relations with those angels. You see, we're living in such a culture and a time in which we are... Dying right and left. Our souls should be tormented in the same way that Lot's was. But let me take a third look. It wasn't only something that was personal. It wasn't also something that was public. It was also a torture in his soul that was of the preeminence of Christ. Because I'm convinced that if Lot was a child of God, and he is then ultimately, it's the glory of God that is at stake. You know, it'd be easy to say, Oh Lord, just save me from this hour. Help me get out of this. But the greatest defense of our day is not the the ugliness of the immorality, it is the absolute rejection of Jesus Christ. It is the world saying to its creator, We don't believe you exist. Christ deserves all the honor and glory that is due His name because this is His world. We teach it to our children in Vacation Bible School. This is my Father's world. It is His world and it all belongs to Him. And all the glory that is due His name and all the worship and all the praise is do the Lord and then to add what Christ has done on the cross of Calvary causes us as followers of Christ to want to do exactly what Psalm 2 says, to come and bow at the feet of the Son of God and kiss His feet. Or to say, oh, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for me. Thank you for your saving grace. Thank you for including me in your eternal covenant. I'm yours now and forevermore. I've been, I've been regenerated. I'm a new person. You're my father. And, oh, I love that song we sing. You're a good, good father. And yet Lot is looking around and he's seeing a whole world around him who says, we don't want God. Does that not grieve your soul today? I gotta tell you, it grieves mine. I, uh, I was literally physically sick Thursday, vomiting, because I got an urgent email about a group of Christians in another part of our world who were being, who had been captured and were being tortured, and there were young ladies who were being violated, and the call was intercede, pray. And I lay awake in my bed half the night praying and thinking, oh God. And I thought to myself, oh, that it would be like in the days of Balaam and Balak when Balaam and his donkey were on their way to do that which was evil in the eyes of God. Do you remember what God did? God put his angel with his sword drawn in front of the donkey. You remember what Balaam did? Balaam began to beat his donkey. Because the donkey stopped when he saw that great angel. And then he beat him again when the donkey fell down. Finally, God allowed that donkey to speak. You remember, kids? That donkey spoke. And the donkey said, What's going on? I've served you all my life. Have I ever done anything like this before? <laughs> Why? Why do you think I'm doing what I'm doing? And then God opened Balaam's eyes so that he could see the angel of the Lord standing there with his sword drawn. And always, that's been my prayer for these young ladies. And that when these men have come to do their, their dead level wickedness against these young ladies, that they would see the angel of the Lord. I prayed a lot of other things against them, but it's grieved my soul. It's broken my heart. I'm, I look at some of our young ladies in here and I think, Lord, what, what would I do if it was ours? But man, I'd, I'd be right out in front with you dads. and We'd be fighting them off. No, oh God, be their defender. Be their father. Watch over them. It is torturous to our souls to see a world of wickedness. I've preached uh, one part of my sermon and my time's done. Uh, Let me quickly do this. Let me say this. uh, Lot was righteous. Lot was righteous. Now, wait a minute, preacher. (laughs) How can you say that? Lot went and lived in a very wicked city. And he sat at the gates of that city, didn't he? He, he, he What could Lot have done? He could have gotten up and moved anytime he wanted to. I I, I mean, I look at what Lot did. I've got several things that I listed here. Uh, The question was, why didn't he leave Sodom? Why didn't he go back to Canaan? Why was he sitting at the gates? Even when the men came to violate the the angels, he offered them his daughters. He's righteous. Uh, And yet... Notice when the angels come, what does Lot do? He knows who they are, and he honors them, and he seeks to protect them. Uh, when the mob comes, he faces them, and he is willing to sacrifice his own life in their behalf. But none of those things have anything to really do with how we could say that Lot's righteous. How do I know Lot is righteous? Because second Peter chapter two calls him what? Righteous Lot. Well, what made Lot righteous? Well, what makes Lot righteous is the same thing that makes you righteous or me righteous. Because something had happened. This is occurring after the 13th, uh, the 15th chapter, rather, of, uh, of uh, Genesis. And what had happened was the Lord made a covenant with Abraham God made a covenant with Abraham and he said to Abraham I'm going to make your seed as great as the stars that you see now you and I go out at night we see stars but we don't see near as many stars as we used to do we those of you that were on the mission team when we were down on the Amazon River and there were no lights around and we looked up we looked up and we saw the Milky Way (laughs) <laughs> it was like, seriously? This is what it really looks like? It looks like those pictures we see about them. Yeah. It was beautiful. It was glorious. And that's what God did with Abraham. He says, see all of these stars, so it will be with you. And the scripture says when God tells him that Abraham believed God. And it was put to his account for righteousness. God made a covenant with Abraham, guess who's in that covenant? Lot. Lot's in that covenant of faith. In the Lord's provision through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. That's what makes Lot righteous. What makes Lot righteous is the fact that Christ is his Savior. And what makes you or me righteous before God is not our goodness. The goodness comes out of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And there should be a turmoil in our souls and the wickedness in the world in which we live. But our righteousness is not because we have done all the right things. It's because Christ has redeemed us. We've been regenerated, born again of the Spirit of God. There's a new nature within us. And the good that I do now, I do not out of self-righteousness. There's no room for self-righteousness. There is no self-righteousness for the true believer. You and I are not righteous in ourselves, are we? All I'd have to do is go around and interview every one of you this morning. And you, if you're in Jesus Christ, you will say, I have no righteousness of my own. My righteousness is in Jesus Christ. It is what Christ did on the cross of Calvary for me. His death is my death, so that His life is now my life. His righteousness is my righteousness. His keeping the law is my keeping the law. And so He saved us, Titus 3, 5 says, not on the basis of works that we have done in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration, And the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He has poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Lord, to this end, so that, being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Well, I'm going to have to end there. (laughs) And I want to just ask you are you in Christ? Are you in Christ? Well, one way you'll know if you're in Christ is if your soul grieves over the sin of the world. It'll be, does your soul grieve over your own personal sin? But most of all, does it grieve because the Lord of glory is being turned away? The Lord of glory is being blasphemed in our day. I don't believe in that Jesus I don't want that Jesus and the current culture is saying if there is a Jesus he looks like this not like that this is the Jesus of Scripture this is the Jesus through whom all things were made and apart from him was not anything made that was made and he is the one who held all the angels that fell he held them responsible for their individual sin and he is holding them under judgment until the great day of judgment and the unbelieving world of those who will die in their sin apart from Christ will be held until the great day of judgment and they will suffer what Christ has promised they will suffer an eternity of separation from Him because they have said no to the beautiful Son of God who shed His blood, who came out of heaven and died in our place to give us life eternal to anyone who would believe. Now, have you come to believe? If not, listen, it's a dangerous place to be in. And And there is an offer today of free, the free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so in a moment we're going to pray. And as we do, I want to help you to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. And to know that He's faithful to His promises. If God's leading you to be a part of this church family, then we're going to give an invitation in a moment. where you can come and unite with this church. If you've not followed the Lord in believers' baptism, as we have seen today, it is is what children of God do when they confess Christ as their Lord and Savior. They follow Him in baptism for believers. So let's bow together in a word of prayer. And so, dear Heavenly Father, we come to realize that, Lord, there is a stretching and pulling apart, as it were, of the very sinew of our souls because of sin. Lord, we have experienced it personally because of our own sin. We've seen it publicly because of what's going on around us. But Lord, ultimately, it's the preeminence of Christ. Christ having the first place. That grieves our souls so much because people are saying no to the Savior. But oh, thank you that Christ came and died for our sin. And you are still casting out that gospel net through your church to a world to say, Come, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I, I will give you a rest. not like the world system can give you. It will steal your soul. It will destroy your life it will condemn you to an eternity without Christ. But oh, the love of God. The love of God is so broad and expanse. It can reach to the deepest depth. It can forgive the worst of sins. And Christ's righteousness can become ours by faith and rescue us in the same way that you rescued lot in a day of great trial and trouble so I pray Lord if there's one here that Jesus is calling that hear his voice and my sheep hear my voice and they know me and they follow me and I give to them eternal life and they shall never perish At this moment would be the moment they are born again, regenerated of the Spirit of God. And then, Lord, we ask you to add to your church for the glory of Jesus. And in His name we pray. Amen.